Greetings in the name of Jesus from the Living Hope Christian Fellowship of Cyprus. Today we are concentrating on the fervent prayer as given in James chapter 5 verses 13 to 20. The world because of the pandemic and the result of the elections in the United States gathered together in droves for prayer. Churches also gathered in prayer for the country. Much more after what happened last January 6, the Christians are trusting the Lord for democracy to continue. Now that winter has come and the hostiles feeling to the capacity plus medical supplies running short, there is a desperate call for prayer. James 5, 13-20 gives us pertinent reminders that Christians can do this thing on their knees. So in James 5, 13, we read, Is there among you afflicted? Let him pray. Is any merry? Let him sing psalms. There are two aspects here. First, the afflicted and in the merry. Now, verse 13 concentrates more on verse 13. First, afflicted. Another word for afflicted is suffering. This is a call to personally pray. In Psalm 32, verse 8 and 9, we are supposed to pray and commit our need before God. When suffering, there should be no complaining nor grumbling with one another but praying. Committing the issue to God. Our prayers should be focused on God and His promises. Prayer concerns may be shared with those who can be trusted. When it is not given to those we personally know and trust, it may be our undoing. I will now read 2 Corinthians 12, 1-10 to give some instructions from God's Word. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. It is not expedient for me, Paul wrote, doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. Verse 2. I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such an one caught up to the third heaven. Verse 3. And I knew such a man, Whether again in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. Verse 4. How that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. And then verse 5. Of such an one will I glory, yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which seeth to be, or that he heareth of me. Verse 7, And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan, to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, 
for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon us. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Now this gives us a healthy perspective of what it will be when we are afflicted, afflicted or we suffer for something. And so in James chapter 9, verses 1 to 7, we get this instruction from God's Word. James chapter 9, verses 1 to 7. And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. Verse 2, And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Verse 3, Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned, nor his parents, but that the works of God should be manifest in him. Verse 4, I must work the works of him that sent me, while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And verse 7, He said unto him, Go, wash in the pool Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed, and came, seeing. What do we learn from here? That in need, Paul came to God and opened his heart and just expressed himself. And so he would say, I glory even in my sickness. I glory in my infirmities. What a wonderful perspective if we know Jesus in a very personal way. We can face it and say, I can even take more. But by doing so, I can learn more of you. I can depend on you. When I'm going to that, I can glory in you. Why? When we're faced with crisis, then we can experience the power of God, the grace of God, The miracle coming from God. Why cheat ourselves when we are going through that affliction, especially physical affliction? You are now a candidate for a miracle. Hallelujah. What a wonderful God we have. Now talking about this man that was born blind. Just like the friends of Job. Tell us, Job, where have you seen? You're just a hypocrite. Meaning to say, in the world today, when there is sickness, when there is affliction, immediately say, why, what, what sin have you committed? Why are you being judged by God? Easily, we connect it with possible sin. But Jesus said, neither his parents know this person's sin. How can a person born blind sin? He was really blind when he gave birth. So they would like to put the blame on the parents. But Jesus said, neither he nor the parents committed sin. Let's learn from this. And also when we go have this affliction, it is not necessary that because we sinned. But God just wants to polish us and to shape us to be that strong Christian. And so now we go to verse 14. Is any sick among you? Let him call for the elders of the church, and let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. 
talking first about anointing. Last Christmas, we celebrated the birth of Christ. And then about two years after the birth of Christ, wise men came to offer gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So I made a research on the item frankincense. It is an aromatic resin used in incense and perfumes obtained from trees of the genus Boswellia in the family Berceraceae, particularly Boswellia sacra, Boswellia cateril, Boswellia ferreriana, Boswellia serrata, and Boswellia papyriferi. This word is from the old French franc incense. Now, this is from a tree, and the sapramid that comes out. And the sapramid comes out like a rock. It hardens. And so, they, the way they treat that is, they have a process of, uh, well, I don't know, break it down into liquid or whatever. And it is used as uh, a medicine. It is used to uh, cure different kind of ailments and afflictions. And that is frankincense. And so, there may be other, like also in the Old Testament, frankincense was used to, in the offering of the animals when they're brought. It is provided with frankincense. And as the priests offer them, the meat, the meat offering is offered with frankincense. So this sweet-smelling savor before God. So in the prayer, we are encouraged even to use the word praying over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. For more details are given in verse 15. And the prayer of faith, faith shall save the sick, and the Lord shall raise him up. And if he committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. Now, the anointing of oil can be personally done. And uh, it is really in the name of the Lord. That's why it says, the prayer of faith shall save the sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he committed sins, they shall be forgiven him. So going back to verse 14, it says, Call for the elders, that the church officers, the ministers, they are contact with God. So it is very exciting that when we come to God, He can do great and powerful things. And so in Luke 5, verses 17 to 26, there is there a narration of one healed from palsy. And uh, in this case, it goes this way. Luke 5, 17. And it came to pass on a certain day, as he was teaching, that there were Pharisees and doctors of the law sitting by, which had come out of every town of Galilee and Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was present to heal them. Verse 18. And behold, men brought in a bed, a man which was taken with a palsy, that is, he could not walk, get up, and was helpless. And they sought means to bring him in and to lay him before Jesus. 
And when they could not, verse 19, and when they could not find a way by which they might bring him in because of the multitude, they went upon the housetop and let him down through the tiling with his couch into the midst before Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said unto them, Men, thy sins are forgiven thee. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to reason, saying, Who is this which speaketh blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? But when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answering said unto them, What reason ye in your hearts? Whether it is easier to say, Thy sins be forgiven thee, or to say, Rise up and walk? Then verse 24, But that ye may know that the Son of Man hath power upon earth to forgive sins, He said unto the sick of the palsy, I send to thee, Arise, and take up thy couch, and go into thine house. And immediately he rose up before them, and took up that whereon he lay, and departed to his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. What a wonderful power! And that is where, when the prayer of faith, and Jesus had that prayer of faith. And we have heard of many testimonies of those who are gifted with the gift of healing. They can call on God and God will do the miracle. And we see here in Matthew 8, 14 and 15, another instance. This talks about Jesus and Peter. And when Jesus was coming to Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. And he, that's Jesus, touched her hand, his, her hand, and the fever left her, and she arose and ministered unto them. That is why it's very, very essential when we pray for the sick. It is not the person praying, the pastor praying, or the evangelist praying. It is Jesus. Make it very clear to the one being prayed for and those around. It is Jesus. It is not a magical power upon the evangelist or the pastor. It is Jesus. And uh, how is the healing? It could be today. It could be medicine or therapy. But it's still Jesus. And when, when will a person be healed? Some say in a week, in a month, in a year. But let it be up to God. The timing also. Let it be God. Make it very clear. And right now, I am pastor, I'm praying for two individuals who are really trusting the Lord. And uh, for already some time, I've been praying with Him and for Him. And it's now up to God how He will be healed or when. That is in the wisdom and power of God. It is a prayer of faith, a trusting in God, committing to God. The Lord will raise him up. And also, the beautiful thing is, even his sins will be forgiven. That is why very important when we go to prayer for healing or any prayer for any person, we claim for the cleansing first of the blood. Because the Word of God says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, then the Lord will not hear me. It is not the power of the faith one, one praying, but a prayer in God. And so it is very wonderful that God alone can do wonderful things as we turn to Him. 
And so now it encourages us in verse 16 of James chapter 5. Confess your faults one to another, and pray one for another, that ye may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. So first of all, the one praying, minister, or whoever, should always ask for cleansing by the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ cleanseth us from all sin. But, verse 9 of 1 John chapter 1, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so for the person being prayed for who is sick, we encourage that person to confess his sins to God. Could be personal feelings, personal attitudes, like examples, adulterous feelings, covetousness, envy, and all of that. The person has to confess to God. It does not have to be audible, but silently confess before God and claim for cleansing. And then we confess fault to one another. That is when we have sinned to one another and we hurt a person or we put them down or talk about that person somebody else and we ask for forgiveness. Another, if, it is, if they are public sins, it should be publicly confessed. Of course, the opposite, if it is a private sin, it's only before the Lord. Now, there are some sins that we... Uh, sin that is only known by us. Like Jesus said, if a man looks with lust at a woman, he has committed adultery. And especially today when the way women behave and women dress up, and sometimes uh, we made this a very strong sermon in the 1970s, when it was the fad that the High school and college students, the girls, were coming, were going to school with super miniskirts, even, even to church. And so, what is it that when you see it and you, it steers within you and uh, you have committed this sin of adultery, all you have to say, Lord, I am sorry, forgive me. I should not be thinking that. It's not right for that person to go to the lady Man, I see you dressed that way. I am provoked and I committed sin of adultery. It will not help by approaching that lady and say that thing. Or a lady seeing a very handsome man, a very good character, and really admired him. And to say, instead of saying, I admire you, but I have, I have lusted after you. It's not the right thing. That is not the thing that will improve the Christian life. Now again, it says, go and see no more, lest a worse thing will come unto you. That is again the word of Jesus given to one that he healed. And the 13th verse, again, directs persons to pray for themselves. Is any afflicted, let him pray. And then verse 14, it directs this, to seek for prayers of ministers. And then verse 16, directs private Christians to pray one for another so that we have all sorts of prayer, ministerial, social, and secret, personal recommended. Let me give the review again. In verse 13 of James chapter 5, he talks about the person, let him pray. 
Then in verse 14, the Rex called for the elders of the church. And then in verse 16, pray for one another. So it is both ministerial, social, and secret. Hezekiah did this. He says, Thou hast in love to my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption. That means, as we pray and realize we have sinned, Hezekiah prayed, Deliver me from the pit of corruption that is now burning within me. So, verses 17 and 18, it reads, Elias was a man subject to like passions as we are. And he prayed earnestly that he might not reign. And it rained not on the earth by the space of three years and six months, as recorded in Luke chapter 4, verse 25. And he prayed again, and heaven gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. As written in Psalm 66, verse 18, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. So we see here Elias. He prayed and said it will not rain for a period of time as recorded in the Old Testament. But in Luke 4.25, it says for three years and six months, he prayed that it will not rain. And later on, he prayed that it should not rain. When I came to this verse, it reminded me when I was in high school. I visited a personal friend by the name of Arthur Silorio. We grew up together in the Bible school. So one Sunday afternoon, when that's free time, I went to his house, which is about 15 minutes away from my house. And getting late in the afternoon, I, have this, I heard the thunder roar. And I saw the clouds coming in because the campus was just beside the seashore. And we saw the clouds coming in, and the Lord said, run. So I told my friend Arthur, you know what I just prayed? The Lord told me, go right now before the rain falls. So I told my friend, I just prayed. The Lord told me, it's okay. I can run. I will not get wet. The rain will not fall. And I believe it will not fall until I reach the house. He could see from his house to my house, and so by the time I reached the house and went up by the balcony, the rain just fell so hard. And he waved at me. What a wonderful testimony that strengthened my faith in Jesus. Yes, we could even hold the rain and let the rain fall on time according to the will of God. When I, that memory comes to me, I said, thank you, Lord, for strengthening my faith. Thank you, God, because you're a wonderful God. You have done wonderful things as experienced in my life. So now to verses 19 and 20. Brethren, if any of you do err from the truth, and one convert him, let him know that he was converted, the sinner from the error of his way, shall save a soul from death, and shall hide a multitude of sins. Praise the Lord. Now it's not talking about your friend that need conversion. That friend who does not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. That friend that needs to be saved. Okay? It says in Romans 8, 
1 and 2. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death. So what is this that is telling? Personally, we lead that friend to the Lord Jesus Christ. Not necessarily to your church, maybe to grow in grace, or maybe to hear the gospel from the preacher that you highly respect, will give God's word, or to meet friends in the church. But the primary thing is not to just make that person a member of the church, but to to be brought to the fellowship in the church, but primarily to Jesus Christ. There is no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So that's why the person who is born again should be encouraged to come to church that he will grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It should be that person will not walk after the flesh, according to Romans 8.1, but will be walking after the Spirit. And now verse 2, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus makes us free from the law of sin and death. What a wonderful power. And verse 20, let him know that he who is converted the sinner from the error of his way shall save a soul from death and hide, shall hide a multitude of sins. Conversion is from error of his way, not religion. We don't condemn a person's religion, but we see he's disobeying the word of God, not living accordingly, and so we bring him to Christ. And trust in the Holy Spirit to transform him. The bylaws of the church cannot transform him. The program of the church cannot transform him. But if we bring the word of God, and the word comes by the Holy Spirit to his heart, then he's transformed. We give the glory to God. To the years now, my wife and I have served God 52 years. We have witnessed lives transformed and powered by God. It's not us. Because most of the people we ministered did not have the same effect. But a few, it inspires me. And even today, young people that we ministered, my wife and I, we still communicate. And there is one lady, a mother of two daughters in that youth group, would come every Sunday night, attend the youth meeting, seated at the back, just observing the program. And she was treated like the mother of the youth until today. She communicates with the youth. Hallelujah. We, she puts the emails in, encouraging them. And with the daughters in the Lord and the young people, they, they just address her and they're encouraged by her. 52 years ago, and on our end, and the husband a doctor, they were the only couple who were faithfully with young people, and the Lord has given them a ministry until today. I thank God. The power of the Holy Spirit can fully transform lives of people. And one of the young people came to the United States, came from a very poor family. But the Lord gave her opportunity to, by the help of an American lady who had gone to our city in the Davao, who had helped her through school and now become an RN here in the United States 
and now retired, still faithful to the Lord with the InterVarsity Christian Fellowship. They gather yearly for prayer in their inauguration of their, their commemoration or celebration of their fellowship of Christians throughout the Philippines. Even here now in the United States, they gather. They are busy witnessing for the Lord, serving the Lord. Is it us? No. It's the Holy Spirit working in our lives. What it says, rejoice. I will read the verse again. For us, the lives are touched. They are brought before the Lord. And hallelujah, He will do great things in the lives of the persons. I trust you'll do the same. The glory should not come to me. It's only the Lord who can change lives of people. God bless you and really go into prayer. This week, I got an invitation to pray and fast starting tomorrow with this group of Christians around the world. And I'm going to provide copies to everybody in the church and see how I can mail it to you, but it will not be, it will not reach you on time. But in a way, you can do it and pray. Well, you know, we have to pray for the United States, for the situation we're in here now, the political situation and the pandemic. But around the world, they have their struggles too. And so when you get that uh, guide, for those who are present in church, you'll get a copy. For those who are not in church, we'll mail it to you. Go into prayer and trust the Lord. Join with the brethren, not only of our denomination. This is not of our denomination. This is of Christians around the world. Pray. So many countries still do not have Bible studies, nor churches, their services. Quite a number have already their churches in their countries, but there's still many, not a witness, whatever, a church, only television and radio, but no fellowship. Pray that peace will come. The time is coming. And finally, let me share with you what I just got it today. In the method of election that was controlled and manipulated by internet, that Rome had a direct connection. And it struck in my heart, is this it already? When we now in the United States, there will be a lot of rules and we'll be aware of them when they come out, that to be a Christian will be very, very difficult. There will be standards, even about churches now. It had been already declared, the standards that the United States may undergo. But let's wait and pray. The Lord can even stop that, delay it, if it will come, during the year of the tribul- years of the tribulation, that you and I will be strong, and we'll be strong for each other, and pray for each other. Praise God. We will be going to the battle, but God will sustain us. Hallelujah. I am praying for you. I know who you are, but God knows that you will be strong. 
God's word says, Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. God bless. Bye.